Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back to another podcast. I've got Christian again with me, our UMMC PhD student in microbiology. And today we will actually be wrapping up Romans 8. I would have to say that Romans 8 has probably been one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it answers so many questions. It makes our Christian life make sense. Not only so, it also gives us the how. Not just, hey, this is the purpose of your Christian life, but also, how do you live it? How does God accomplish His purpose in you? Before we get going, Christian, do you mind giving us a recap of what we've gotten into so far? And again, I always encourage everyone to go back and listen to the past four podcasts, because today's podcast will really build on those past few podcasts. Also, I strongly encourage everyone to read Romans 8 slowly and prayerfully. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah, um, Romans 8, really happy that we've been able to get into this. It's, uh, it's such an experiential chapter. It's probably one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible and the whole New Testament for our Christian experience, especially a positive <laughs> Christian experience. First The chapter kind of starts out with, now then, there is no condemnation, uh, for the law of the spirit of life has freed us in Christ Jesus. And from there, uh, I think we touched on some points about, you know, Paul mentions that um, the spirit of the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, this one, he, uh, he dwells in us and he wants to give life to us, even life to our mortal body. And then uh, Paul mentions us uh, being son, children of God, being sons of God, and being heirs of God. And we, we talked a little bit about that progression, um, how we begin to see a little bit that, you know, God isn't just after children, newborns, spiritually speaking, but he wants sons and heirs with some level of maturity. And... Uh, I think that kind of brings us up to speed where we are. Great, Christian. Yes, let's start there. As a new Christian going to church, you start noticing a few things. You notice that there is definitely brothers and sisters that are more spiritually mature than you. I'm not talking about them being in church longer than you or that they are older than you, but if you're going through something, you have the sense that you want to fellowship with them for spiritual guidance. Well, that didn't just happen by accident. It is God's intention that his children grow up. Just like in human life, if all my children stayed the same age, even after 15 years, they had no growth, no maturity, I would be very, very concerned. Well, it's the same. If we have been a Christian for 15 years, and yet we are no closer to God than when we were first saved, then we really need to come to God and ask what in the world is going on. Well, in Romans 8, it really puts it well, this matter of children, then becoming sons, and finally heirs. Heirs have a certain maturity to them, right? They have grown up. 
They have been trained and educated, and now they're not just an heir in name only, like a child king that you read about in history that is a king in name only, but really doesn't do anything. But now the heir is ready to do something. They are old enough in life that they can start bearing responsibility. Well, how does someone get to that stage, and how does someone become an heir? Let me read the verse here in Romans eight seventeen, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we also may be glorified with Him. There is a caveat in this verse: we are heirs, provided we suffer with Him. Now, what does this mean? Suffering sounds horrible and miserable, right? But another way to look at suffering is training. Today, our medical students are working extra hard to study. Right? All their friends are out enjoying college football and having a good time, but they are here in a dark room, still going over step one questions. Why are they willing to put themselves through this suffering? Well, it's so that one day, all the training, all the suffering, all the endurance, all the hard work will pay off when they're a physician. So if we look at this verse from that standpoint, then the verses at the end of Romans eight make so much more sense. Christian, do you mind reading these verses to us? Romans eight twenty-eight through thirty. Start there, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestinated, these he also called; and those whom he called, these he also justified; and those whom he justified, these he also glorified. These are.、Um, Some very very rich verses. Perhaps we can start with、uh, verse twenty-eight, talking about all things work together for good. I think this is a very popular verse, right?、Um, a lot of people. It's a verse of comfort, perhaps when they're going through suffering of, of some kind. That all things would work together for good. But I, I think we've talked before, right? This there's there's some deeper. Meaning to this, especially if you read the whole verse, it's good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. So maybe we could talk about that.、Uh, what is God's purpose? Yes, Romans eight twenty eight is probably one of the most famous Bible verses next to John three sixteen. They use it a lot in TV shows as well. However, most people only read the beginning half of the verse and they never read the end. All things work together for good to who? To those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. So yes, let's talk about God's purpose. This isn't so much talking about God's purpose for you per se, but what is God's eternal purpose? You can say what was His master plan, and once you see that, then you can see how your life fits into that plan. So where do we see that? Well, we would have to go back to the beginning. We have to go to Genesis because in Genesis one, God starts to lay out His eternal purpose. For those who haven't heard our Genesis podcast series, 
I strongly recommend going back and checking them out because we touch on this a lot more thoroughly than we will get into today's podcast. But Christian, do you mind opening this matter of God's purpose in Genesis 1 for us? Sure. I'll read Genesis 1.26. I think this is the, the crucial verse. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Just briefly, in this, in this record uh, in Genesis 1, God is creating all these things in the six days. And after he finishes, he says, oh, so-and-so, it was, so, it was good. And then on the sixth day, God says, after making man, God says, and it was very good. So obviously there's something special about man and all of God's creation, right? And then he, he says this, this verse, Genesis 126, let us make man in our image. Previously, you've got the, the plants according to their seed and the fruit according to their, the herbs according to their seed or whatever, and the fish and the cattle according to their kind. And then he creates man according to God's kind. And that's, that's very special, right? We're, we're very special. We need, we need to realize mankind, we're, we're very special. And we're, we've been made in God's image. And then uh, to have his likeness and also to uh, have dominion. So why did, why did God create us, right? We were created in his image to ha- and to have his likeness. We're, that, that talks about expressing God. We're all vessels. Right? I, we may have mentioned this before, um, probably in the Genesis podcast, but you know, immediately after this, God reveals himself as a tree of life. He wants this man to just take him in, take him in as food, as life. And we're vessels to contain God. And as we contain God, we begin to express God. And then as we're expressing God, then God gets a dominion on the earth today. Not going to get too much into that, but uh, this verse, it's just, it's, it's very clear, right? Image and dominion. God, that's what God made man for. And in Romans 8, there's that echo there. Those verses we read, we, uh, we see he wants sons. He wants an expression of himself. And uh, in 8.28 and 29 and 30, we're being conformed to his son. Hopefully that, that was uh, somewhat clear. <laughs> That's perfect, Christian. And let's stay here for a bit. In Genesis 1, when someone saw Adam... They saw God, right? Now, Adam wasn't God. God was God. But Adam had God's image. And we aren't talking about, well, Adam had two eyes, so God has two eyes. That's a superficial way to see that verse. The significance was that man was made to express God on this earth. Well, today, after the fall, if you look at man, you start to realize that man no longer expresses God. He only expresses himself. He expresses his flesh, and what a shame. But now, Romans 8, 28 and 29 makes sense. Let me read these verses again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers." 
Do you all see the connection? We love God. We want to express Him, but we try and try, but we can't. We try to do good, but we can't seem to make it. We keep falling short, and God knows that. That's why there is this quote, all things. All the outward situations, all the inward struggles that God arranges are so that we are conformed to the image of His Son. All these things shape us, it molds us, it conforms us so that when someone sees us, they don't see us anymore. They don't see even someone that's trying really hard. They don't see someone who's attained some good morals. Rather, they see Jesus. They see Jesus living on the earth again. And this fulfills God's eternal purpose that was shown way back in Genesis 1. I think that's great. Just that's completely in line with what we're seeing in all of Romans 8. You know, and we don't want to take it out of context, right? So in all of Romans 8 and back with Genesis, right, we are made to express God. God wants sons. And, uh, and like you said, he's putting us in situations that will conform us to the, to the image of the firstborn son. But we can't take that out of context of the verses we just read before about, uh, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And that the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. These are the way that the ways that we're able to possibly live this kind of, I don't know, miraculously normal life. It's by, by God dispensing himself into us and us opening to this dispensing, allowing him to dispense himself into us. I think that's why I'm short of so much, so much of the time. You know, God, God is there ready to, to dispense all the time. On my side, maybe I'm just not so open or distracted. And then there's situations that come up and then, you know, there's a turn, right? There's a turn. There's a, oh, Lord, I need you. It's God's wisdom, his design. Uh, he knows man that, that we need all these all things, right? We need the all things, all of our situations. That would turn us to him. Hopefully, um, you know, uh, we're being convinced that our real need is God. And we would turn to him in the midst of those situations and receive the real supply, the real uh, transformation that conforms us to the image of the firstborn son. As mentioned before, this starts going beyond just like making me a better person, like something I need. But it's, we're talking about God's purpose here, and that's really amazing. Like, wow, like my life, the kind <laughs> of daily minutia starts mattering in God's eternal purpose as we enter into this simple, simple but not not so easy <laughs> way of uh, of living. I kind of give it back to you uh, if you have anything more to say, say on this. Yes, Christian, I'm glad you brought that up. How do we express Jesus? What do the, quote, all things do? They cause us to let the Jesus that dwells in us live. We taught last time that the Spirit dwells in us, right? And He wants to spread in us. He wants to touch our mind, our emotion, our will, so that we will match His mind. We will match His emotion. We will cooperate with His will. Well, how do we get our mind to match his mind? The all things. I might have an idea of what's best for me, 
what's best for my family. Sometimes it might even be biblically correct, but then God arranges something, an environment, and then I have a choice. I can either keep pushing my own idea, my own agenda, or I submit. I turn to God, allow Him to operate, and then little by little, God gets in. He conforms, He adjusts, and slowly but surely, it is no longer I who live, but Christ. This is so real, and this is so practical, and this is the point of Romans 8, 28-29. Any last thoughts about Romans 8, Christian? I was thinking at least I can read these last few verses in Romans 8. Um, I think it's a good conclusion, and you know we've, we've been talking about God's purpose and being a part of that, and, and this is totally needed at the end here, because it's talking about God's love, God's love. I think it's very touching, this portion. This is verses uh, 31 through 39 in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died, and rather, who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We've been accounted as sheep for slaughter. But in all these things, we more than conquer through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, these verses, they're so comforting, but even if we were to enter into these verses into a more prayerful way, I think we would really begin to feel and appreciate God's love toward us. The only way, right, the only way we can be those who love God as mentioned in verse 28, is for us to experience God's love. I don't have any love in myself for God. Maybe a kind of a natural religious zeal, but um, at the end of the day, uh, I, I just say, as we see in verses like these, God's love towards us, and, and we allow him to, to touch us with that love, there's just a response that, that wells up within us, right? Wow, Lord, you died for me? Anyway, I, I think I think that's I, this is a, such a great chapter. I'm really happy we've been able to get into it. I, I hope the Lord is convincing all of us a little bit more to to live in His purpose, to experience this, and have a, have a meaning to the to all the things happening in our our daily lives. Amen. Amen, Christian. That's a good way to conclude this chapter. 
because sometimes the all things that God arranges in our life doesn't seem fair. Sometimes it may seem harsh, but we have to see that it all comes out of His great love toward us. His love is so deep, so moving, so unwavering to the point that He sent His Son for us. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. And yet the God of the universe did not spare His own Son for us. What love! And our only response toward His love is to love Him back. His love toward us made us those who love God. We love because He first loved us, right? In addition, it is out from this love that He arranges all these things to conform us, to shape us, to train us so that we would express Him so that God will have His purpose fulfilled on this earth. Thanks again for your time, Christian. And to our listeners, thank you for spending some time listening to this podcast. We hope that this podcast really touches you and encourages you throughout your day. I hope to see our students at Bible study this Wednesday. Until then, I hope y'all have a great week. Oh